In Central City, we went looking for Ralph Dibney. It had been some time since we'd seen the ductile detective, and we were eager to hear what new exploits he could share with us. But a curious flyer for a magic show caught our eye, one starring the scarlet speedster himself, The Flash. Hi, my name is John. And I'm Matthew. And we are the DC Detectives. It is our job to go back through the annals of DC Comics history and chronicle the evolution of all your favorite heroes from start to every reversible finish. Okay. It's been a while. Uh, it's been a while. Sorry. Uh, I don't know why that <laughs> oh, happens. Oh, no. Um, I had to move <laughs> again. Um, and uh, here we are a month a month after the last episode. And um, we are all settled and now we're doing this. So I'm apologizing in case some background noise is heard on uh, my end. Uh, I'm still trying to figure out my setup at the moment. It's not so good insulation in my room, but I think we're figuring it out and I think we've got it covered. But um, we did also, we did it, we did a goof a little bit. Um, we said elongated man and elongated man issues that we have already covered appear in the flash that we haven't covered. So we're doing the flash and then we'll be doing elongated man as we do the flash, as we progress through 1962 to 1964. Um, so we lied again. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, you take the, the good, the bad and uh the happy and the sad and then you get our opening statements um <laughs> we're we're just all over the place right now i'm I so feel like sorry that's everybody. a reference that i should get uh, it's not a reference worth telling anybody okay. <laughs> um so yes we're doing the flash again uh just a just a big fan of silver age flash you gotta be honest um these weren't some of the best issues of Flash. However, they are some pretty good issues because it's got a, it's got a lot of colorful villains. There's some dimension hopping. That's really all I want out of Flash comics is rogues and science mishaps and weird stuff. So this is all this is all great for me. I definitely found myself going through and being like, you know, structurally, these aren't always the most impressive, but it's like it's like the Aquaman stories where it's just the pieces work well enough and they're interesting enough there's just something more interesting about gorilla grod than any other random supervillain. yeah i mean it's also the tone i think yeah. because if you have like batman comics and he's fighting falcone or falcone or um black mask or the penguin who people who are generally mobsters it works because tonally he is a street-level mobster, pulpy um, hero. Conversely, if you're having a character who has superpowers, their villains should be a little bit more on the same level as them, and the tone can get a little bit more fantastical. I think that's great that Flash is kind of obeying that kind of superpowered arms race. Mm -hmm. The more powerful he gets, the more powerful his villains get, or the more they team up against him. And one of the things that really matters there, I have it on my agenda to at some point go through and see whether this happens with a bunch of other stories or comics that we've read. Because I don't think it's super widespread, but so many of these issues start off from the perspective of the villain. Like Act 1, it, it, it's not even quite accurate to call it Act 1, but we get a bunch of pre-inciting incident uh, here is the stuff that the supervillain is 
driven by, what their goal is, what they're what they are trying to do, and it's it's super grounded. Isn't quite all of it, but it's the villain isn't a pastiche. It's yeah. Gorilla Grodd. Uh, I, th- I think that might even be the first story that we read. Yeah, I think it's mm-hmm. the first story that we read. Gorilla Grodd, and it starts off with Gorilla Grodd makes a couple mistakes and is fallible. Like, spoilers, he falls in love. There is a thing that works more in than he expects. He is like, here is a thing that I want, and I'm going to do it. And it's not just like jewel heist of the of the month. And I think because we we haven't been reading a lot of Batman yet Mm -hmm. however once we do this entire circuit we will get to batman i'm sure everyone's excited um it's been nearly two years i think (laughs) since we've read a batman comic (laughs) yeah maybe two and a half something like that um at least a comic that is batman centric we haven't read because we've read him in in jla and world's finest and and brave and the bold um but the idea i think is that Flash is really the only character, aside from, like, Lex Luthor in Superman and maybe some Batman villains. Flash is the only only character who has, like, villains who have rich mythos in it of themselves. You know, like, we know Luthor, like, occasionally we'll get issues of Superman where Luthor's like, I'm gonna build this thing. And we get, like, half, you know, a quarter of the issue is Luthor doing a bit. And then that's the setup for the it's the inciting incident for the rest of the issue. Um, I'm sure there are Batman issues that are doing the same thing with the Joker. We did see that in the Golden Age. Oh yeah, with Batman characters where like the Joker was like, "Screw these people! I'm funnier." Jewel heist time, baby, and it was like, okay, that was the first. Yeah, I mean, it, literally, that was those were the words in the comic in the 1930s. Jewel heist time, baby. Um, yeah, Joker in the Golden Age, and occasionally, like we would, we would see Penguin or um, Catwoman would have like their own four-page story that would incite whatever Batman was going to do. Um, Doctor uh, Hugo Strange had that with the Monster Men. Like we, we, we have those kind of that setup um, situations. Um, Flash is the only one really doing that now with their own characters, and I like that a lot because it is giving us. Uh, tangible feelings to have about these guys just beyond you're a dude who does ice thing you're a guy who does gimmicks tricks this you're the gorilla bad guy you know they have consistent plot lines that they're that are going to be brought up that we have to remember and like they're they you know power poles from back in like the first appearance and whatever that we're going to see and Again, this leads to the credence that Flash and Green Lantern are the best books that are coming out right now, next yeah. to um, Justice League, which again is being written by Gardner Fox, who is probably the the pinch hitter for the whole company at the moment because he's doing all of those things for a bunch of characters, and sometimes that doesn't really line up because you have so many characters. But when he you know, when he hits a home run, he hits a home run. And, you know, John Broom is doing a great job on Flash and Green Lantern. Kaniger is pro- is like, you know, undoing all of Marsden's work, <laughs> you know. Mm. And it's just unfortunate that we have like that kind of dynamic of like two really good guys, the meh people over here. And then the guy who's doing Aquaman is doing A-OK, you know, screwing up Martian Manhunter. Superman is kind of all over the place. It's not good. It's not bad. It's just 
Superman comics. Um, Wonder Woman is being completely rewritten, which is kind of a bummer. You know, it's it's no longer, you know, Amazons and kangaroos. It's more just like, oh, God, how is Steve going to try and get me to marry him today? Or my mermaid boyfriend's a dick, part 17. Um, Adam is really cool. Love Adam comics. Um, Adam Strange is fun. You know, Hawk, the Hawks are really fun. So it's just, it's interesting. But none of them quite have the villainry and the villainness of Flash at the moment. Yeah, um when you lay out the smorgasbord like that it feels like there are three different kinds of stories going on there's the gimmick stories and then there's like what we think of as silver age with flash and green lantern which are so so much building the mythos but also have a very specific tone and then there's like the pulpy world building ones as like Hawkman. And I think to a degree like Adam where it's, Oh yeah. It, it feels like it's caught between the world building comics of verse of, uh, flash and green lantern, but still owes so much more, I think to the golden age pulp stories. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I definitely think you're right in that. And it's kind of nice to have that variety from a company. Mm-hmm. And it's also very interesting to see characters from those different genres interacting with each other. And then you get the, the you know, the Adam with the different voice. You know, you've got Gardner Fox's Adam versus the guy who's writing him, you know, in his solo book. And that's always been the interesting thing about DC books is like reading Justice League and then you're reading the Superman single stuff and you're like wow this is a weird batman or like this is a weird superman you know versus like you know currently or rather when the when rebirth was happening in contemporary comics i loved the detective comics version of batman did not did not like the solo series batman and that's always been a weird thing to me is that there's no unilateral this is what batman is doing right now everyone has to write him like this otherwise there's there's a tonal difference and it's a thing and seeing that kind of evolve in the Silver Age is really fascinating. And seeing how that, like, oh, Gardner Fox is making people say good girl to Wonder Woman. Yeah. That's not a thing I think Barry Allen would say in the John Broom flash, you know? Yeah, I think you're little, right. little, Little idiosyncrasies per writer that just change the characters ever so slightly in ways that you're like, uh that doesn't fit with the picture I have in my head. So, since we got back onto Flash, we should actually just jump right into it. This is going to be the year of 1962 to 1963. We kind of started a little bit early in the year um, because that was where Flash of Two Worlds happened, and we wanted to make sure that we got to that point before we did anything else. So we're actually going to start in March of 1962. I know, Joanne, we did too much already, and we got all of that shit out in the first in the first port portion so we're going to do this now um but we're going to start with the flash number 127 march 1962 so as we mentioned before gorilla grod um the last time we saw grod he had actually turned himself into a human and he was in jail and they arrested him as the human that he turned into and not grod so he was serving out the sentence of the human that he turned into which was apparently somebody else and now he's out and now that he's out of jail he's turning back into a gorilla due to capital s science (laughs) um 
you know, everybody, we, we've, we've got comic science and then Swiss Army science. Pick whichever one you want. But um, Grodd has returned into a gorilla form. He's made his way back into Gorilla City. Now that he's in Gorilla City, as Matt said, he does kind of see a gorilla that he falls in love with and realizes that if he can get people to fall in love with him via his telepathy powers, he might have an easier time of conquering the world. Starts to develop some telepathy powers, makes the Flash nearly become enamored with him, and then Flash beats him. Of course. Now he's back in Gorilla City, though, but he's a gorilla, not a man. Things things like that, you know? We saw that kind of a little bit with Superman with the Brainiac story, where he, like, pushed him back into the past, then Brainiac, like, got free, and then he, like, brought himself back to the present. We're seeing things like this now happen, where it's like the writers are actually writing villains out of stories for a while to bring other villains back. And I like that. It's it's fun. It makes everything... It makes you have to go like, oh, yeah, I remember that happened. Or like, what issue did that happen in? And then the editor's note really means something. Uh, it was a while between Grodd appearances, too. I th- yeah, like it, it definitely was. A, mu- a year? I think about a year. Like, just oh, about. Yeah. Number 115. Yeah, it was definitely a year. Um, so uh, the second story in 127 is Kid Flash helps a boy uncover and apprehend a spy ring in Blue Valley. That was cool. Um Kid Flash stories are always fun. Big fan of those. I love seeing Wally be fun and awesome. Uh, the Flash number 128, May 1962. In search of an audience that will appreciate him, unlike the audiences in the 64th century, Abracadabra, that is his, his real name, Abracadabra travels back in time to do science-made magic tricks to impress the people of the 20th century and he can do it for a while but the problem is that they're still so impressed with the feats of power that the flash has that he's like look assholes the science that i didn't invent is really tough to pull off can you at least be excited about my fake magic and decides to go into crime to beat the flash to show that he is better than the flash spoiler alert doesn't work and now abracadabra is a criminal and he's in jail too um Second story in 128, Barry daydreams of not wearing a mask like Jay Garrick from the Sil- from the Golden Age in Earth 2. And he's like, no, that's a terrible idea. Like the daydream ends with him being like surrounded by paparazzi. And he's like, yeah, that sounds like an awful time. I don't want to do that. And it's <laughs> worth calling out that this is this is another one of those. It was all a dream stories where it's not immediately clear as it's going on that he's yeah. trying to make the decision of whether to be transparent about and leave a mask off and ultimately decides not because of this daydream it's like oh wow that that didn't all happen but it sure was a realistic set of uh, reasonings and normally i hate those but this was so transparent that i didn't mind i guess it was the it was the best of a shitty situation yes and it was okay but it was as good as it was going to get. Um, it was the best the, of a shitty situation, and that made it okay. That's a Mr. Yeah. Peanut Butter line right there. <laughs> yeah, it really is. Um, the Flash, number one twenty nine, June nineteen sixty two. Uh, oh, here's a fun one. Actually, this is probably one of my one of my more favorites. Um, Earth two is in danger uh, from radiation that is happening from the sun. And Jay Garrick, the old Flash of the JSA, remember him? We've done tons of episodes about this. There's two Earths now. Um, I don't want to have to explain that. That's the whole fucking point of the podcast. Um, Earth 2 Jay Garrick is like, oh, there's a metal on our planet that could help us not 
get hurt by radiation because that's how physics works. Um, on Earth 2, however, that metal is nearly mined out of existence and there's not too much out of it left. So he decides, what if I go to Earth 1? Maybe they have the metal there. And Barry's like, yeah, we got a crap load of it. Check it out. And in the meantime, while they are searching for this metal, both um, the trickster and Captain Cold team up to do crimes together and uh barry asks jay to help him apprehend both of them um they do so they get the mineral back to earth 2 they save earth 2 and then they create a synthetic version of it so that earth 1 and earth 2 can be protected hooray that was fun there was dimension hopping and two flashes and i like jay garrick when he isn't shoving turkeys down people's throats (laughs) god i forgot about that i will never forget about that because we argued for four whole days about whether or not that made him a bad person and i am still convinced that i won in that he is a bad person the oh, flash God, I remember that conversation. shoving a turkey down a man's throat at super speed would kill him i don't care who you are that it was a whole turkey it was a whole turkey man <laughs> i heard he'd have to it was yeah he'd, he'd have to unhinge that man's jaw it's no we're done we already talked about this go listen <laughs> to that episode stretch yeah no he killed a man in. he killed a man i don't care <laughs> I don't care who you are. I don't care where you're from. That hurts. That's a JR line. Um, no, no. It's a Backstreet Boys line. Oh, no. Well, Boy I've just dated myself. Boy bands aside. Boy bands aside. Look at that. We've just made several <laughs> single digit and double digit references to this podcast. Who doggy? The Flash number 130, August 1962. Um you can tell it's been a while since we've done this, folks. We're just got a little, we're a little punchy. Um, Mirror Master, hey, I like Mirror Master. Mirror Master hypnotizes his lawyer to dress up as the other rogues to kind of convince Flash that the other rogues have broken out of prison to get him to kind of not be looking at jail um, and to also be a little confused. And then Mirror Master breaks out of jail um, and you know sets a trap for the Flash that the trap that the the Flash gets out of by uh, being super good at being a superhero because he's the best. Um, he's second especially story. good at expectorating. He is especially good at expectorating. Yes, the Flash gets out of this death trap by spitting at a switch at high speed, and it turns the the death trap off, which is amazing. Um, second story in one thirty, Kid Flash teams up with uh, the Elongated Man, the Elongated Man, to stop Weather Wizard, which is something we talked about in the Elongated Man Adam um, episode that we did. Uh, <laughs> That date, you all know. Um, go back. We have so many episodes, everybody. This is episode 90. I can only do so much. I'm already taking so many notes. I can't remember all of it, but I, just, I know we covered that. And there's an episode for it. Please, we've done so much. Do the searching yourself. <laughs> um, Flash number 131, September 1962. This is actually my second favorite one. Actually, probably my first favorite one, followed closely by the Jay Garrick. You'll know why. Because, folks, guess what? Hal Jordan's in it, and he's my fave. Um, The Flash number 131, September 1962. Flash and Green Lantern team up to fend off an alien invasion that has occurred while they were off on another planet fighting some monsters. And when they come back, the aliens have taken over Earth. And uh, they team up to uh, stop them. And it's great because it's, like, one of the first pairings of the brave and the bold the best tag team uh in the division and a fun fun little note here that for, we haven't covered the issue where they first meet 
and find each other's identities out. Because in this issue, they both know Barry Allen is the Flash and Hal Jordan is Green Lantern. They reference in a Green La- they reference a Green Lantern issue where they both discover each other's secret identity. We're going to get to that issue when we go and we do Green Lantern. Um, so this is kind of after they know each other's secret identities and they're hanging out with um, Carol and Iris and Thomas and and Turga. It's like a Turga was there. Turga's there. Yeah, I Thomas is there with Turga. I didn't it's notice. great. They're not really talked about, but Thomas is there at least, if anything. Um, but I think there's a scene where the two women are seeing Barry and Hal walk up, uh, Iris and Carol, and then Turga and Thomas are in the foreground. Nice. I think it's like a, tr- a triple date, which is great because it also just shows that, like, you know, Turga and Thomas are recurring characters, and that's awesome. Yeah. Um, and also that they are all friends, and they're not. It's not weird. Nothing's weird except that two of them are superheroes. Um, during this get-together, this is actually the weird part, they decided to have Barry and Hal do a weird sports contest of strength. This is yeah. weird. This is a weird thing to do with your friends um, and your your girlfriends. However, we find out two incredibly important pieces of information about both of these individuals. Barry is a really good swimmer and very good at tennis because he has beaten Hal in swimming and tennis. And Hal is really good at golf and really good at billiards. These are important things for me to know. You know? (laughs) For my fanfics. (laughs) I mean, it... Both of those stand to reason in my head. Like a Finn Poe kind of vibe of really good best friends, just some guys being pals. Yeah, guys being dudes. Um, And I have have no prize explanations for this. Mm -hmm. Tennis and swimming are athletic club sports which barry would 100 percent be a part of being a cop in a big city he'd be he would go to like an athletics club and like play tennis or like swim laps that's just like a thing that i I can see him doing meanwhile hal being good at golf and billiards is really funny because you know he's playing pool on an on an art on on an air base you know that's just a thing that he does and being good at golf is kind of one of those things where it's like it was still kind of accessible to play golf back in the like the 60s and that was like a man's man sport like if you were like a man about town you played golf yeah like and i can definitely see how being like hip and cool playing golf and then like going to the airbase and playing pool with the mechanics and the other pilots honestly i am extremely here for the visual Oh no, it's it's double-sided because on the one hand, like 16-year-old Hal Jordan driving one of those like ball retriever uh yes. like <laughs> wide-armed yeah. cart things. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And also 21-year-old Hal Jordan being drunk off his ass driving one of those golf carts at full speed. <laughs> I can make the jump over the sand trap. Just watch. <laughs> Yes, oh, God. please. I want to see him utterly wreck a golf cart and just have and it like, just like plowed in at a, nine, a 45 degree angle, wheels just spinning in the air, just him off by the side like, well, I got out of that just fine. You know, I just needed more speed. Like he's just like, he's like still trying to figure yeah, it out even he though he nearly killed booze. himself. It's just him going for the jump. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we have a good time. Um the Flash, number 132, uh, November 1962, 
a TV producer on, you know, uh, Gobdar, you know, Dimension Gobdar, home of the Gobdarians. Look, this is an actual another, this is another planet that has been, uh, made a previous appearance in Flash comics as we've covered where it was the people who had like the model of Earth and they were watching the Flash's exploits. That's a whole, it's an episode. We've done that. Um, we're bringing them back because there's popular demand for Gobdor. Um, look, a TV producer on, sorry, I'm checking my notes. It's Gobdar. I'm sorry to the Gobdarians. Um, a TV producer on Gobdar is running a show called like the perils of earth. And it's basically a show about natural disasters on earth. And flash is visiting to kind of talk to some folks there and this guy's like, oh shit, Flash can't find out that we basically have like disaster television about his dimension. That's kind of fucked up and morbid. And yeah, it is. Um, <laughs> uh, Flash finds out eventually. And he's like, I have to go stop a bunch of tragedies now because there's a bunch of like terrible things happening. I'm a superhero. I can't believe you kept this information from me. And the guy goes to the planet, uh, goes to Earth, and he tries to stop Flash from stopping these natural catastrophes because he's like, if you do that, I'm going to have bad ratings. I'm like, you're going to not watch the Flash save people? That's a television show right there. Yeah. You're, you have yeah. the Flash TV show happening right in front of you, and you're not going to record. Okay. This, is, this guy has a problem seeing the forest for the trees. That's all I'm saying. There is no human drama in the show as we see it. There isn't even, like, normal emergency services facing off like yeah. think about it uh titanic dante's peak uh san andreas these are all first and foremost like human stories with the crisis as a backdrop or a challenge and it's like yeah. seriously did none of these people learn how to write a compelling story before they tried to manipulate reality tv into being somehow a worse version of it yeah yeah, yeah, and and I think the thing is, is like when I say that the show is about natural disasters, it's like literally just footage of a volcano erupting. Yeah, which isn't a show. That's just the Weather Channel. <laughs> All right, so there is a second story in one thirty-two that you know we didn't cover because I got sidetracked by the Weather Channel. <laughs> um, Barry's old sweetheart Daphne Dean. Uh, we also did an episode about her where she was uh, forced by her publicity agent to pretend that she was in love with Barry when he went home. Uh, for the holidays. Um, Daphne Dean is now genuinely in love with the Flash, which is a problem for Barry because that's also Barry. And he kind of has to like do a sort of a song and dance to trying to get her to not fall in love with the Flash. And it ends up just working and it's kind of a weird like, well, this was a waste of time issue. Um, but there you have it. Um, the final issue we're going to cover, I know everybody's so excited because we were just all over the map tonight. Uh, the Flash, number 133, December 1962. Abracadabra, hey, he's coming back. Abracadabra gets out of jail um, through hypnosis and making everybody think that he needs to be released. And basically he tries to go legit by just being a really good puppeteer, like marionette puppeteer, with shows about the Flash getting one-upped. And it kind of makes Barry sad because he goes to one of the shows and everyone's laughing at the Flash. And he's like, wow, they don't take me seriously. So he like gets all pissed off and just goes on like a crime stopping spree and just like cleans up Central City in an afternoon. And everyone's like, wow, we don't want to go watch the Flash get, you know, made fun of by a bunch of puppets anymore because we really respect him. Abracadabra gets mad again that no one's going to his shows and he turns Flash into a puppet. Then uses him as the puppet in his show. Now that Flash can't stop crime, people are like, yeah, the Flash sucks again. We're going to laugh at this show. 
capital S science happens, speed force science, and Barry is able to, as a puppet, control himself, fight Abracadabra, and then turn himself back into Barry or back into regular Flash. Yeah, I feel like we might have to talk about the power in question at some point. Like, who boy? Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of... We, we're really starting to get into the area of... Not that we weren't already with, like, you know, vibrating your molecules into getting into a different dimension. Or in, in one of these issues, they explained that Flash just has an energy aura around him that makes him safe when he runs at high speeds. There's a lot of, like, fiat reasons for things to work, and we're starting to really get into the area of science fiction. Perfect control over all of his molecules. Yeah, yeah. you don't have that? You don't have that? Um, final story in Flash 133. Uh, Kid Flash's secret identity is discovered by three kids um, who have really specific disabilities. One is blind, one is mute, and uh, one can't hear. One is deaf. Um, and they are all the hear no evil, speak no evil, see no evil kids, essentially. They all figure out Wally is Kid Flash, and they're like, we're going to take your secret to the grave. This is a weird story. I mean... It's heart is in the right place because it's trying to be like, look at all these kids with these disabilities and having normal lives. Like, you know, one's really good at baking. One's a really good athlete. And, you know, even though he's got crutches and stuff, it's like, okay, this is kind of good. Like, I can see where you're going here is like trying to show people that like, hey, just because you have, um, you know, something that, you know, makes you not, you know, quote unquote normal doesn't mean you can't have a fulfilling life. And it's like, I appreciate that. Like, that's kind of a positive message. But it was weird. It's, it's very, it's very 1960s woke. Yes. And it's weird. It is progressive by way of trope as compared to anything else. Yes. It, it is very much like uh, the gold star you tried meme. <laughs> yep. It's like you, you really tried here, but you missed the mark. And it's not because you guys were bad at this. It's because... um politics for the differently abled at that time were not what they are now mm-hmm. anyway i uh, that is going to do it for us though for summary um key things that happened in this episode of worth of coverage abracadabra first appearance of abracadabra who is a flash rogue who shows up a lot i wondered buckle up for more for more for more stuff like that i mean he's in young justice if that's any indication. Oh, yeah. In the Dr. Fate episode. He's with Clary and the Witch Boy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh. So, Abracadabra is a character that pops up every now and then in Flash comics. He is part of the Rogues Gallery. Um, more use of Earth 2. And a full a full issue of uh, Green Lantern and Flash in Flash's comics. And that's great. And I love that. Um, we already talked about sports. That was important in this comics podcast um and we already kind of did some of the summary stuff that i usually talk about in the very beginning so i think we're good uh on my end do you have uh notations i've got a lot of little things and i want to start with sports because it's there are a couple things that make me question whether i don't know that john broom understands baseball yeah. There are little things, and I do, <laughs> this might not even be a John Broom thing, actually. This might be a Carmine Infantino thing. I don't know for sure, but there are a couple bits. For instance, in, let's see, this is 127, 
there's a point where Flash is just killing time for a little bit because he can't get close enough to Grodd before, like, if he gets within 100 miles, I think, uh, he gets mind-controlled by the neo-magnetism, I think, was the thing, which, there, there's a name. Uh, and he's reading a newspaper, and the newspaper says, Yanks beat Reds. Now, hmm. me being me, I immediately was like, huh. And I put my MatPat hat on, and <laughs> I felt really proud of myself when I came up with that one. I'm not going to yeah. lie. Uh, I get to be indulgent. Um, here's the thing. Presumably they mean the Yankees and the Cincinnati Reds. If so, then no. Presumably, because here's the thing. First off, this was a March issue. The regular season starts in April. And I confirmed this. Like In this year, it was like April 2nd. Wow, you really did put your hat on. I did. And it gets better because even more than that, the Reds were in in the National League and the Yankees were in the American League. And this was before interleague play except for the World Series. So first off, no, they never played each other during the regular season. Only thing I can think of is they were playing during the preseason. But honestly, Occam's Razor, probably a mistake. Or... Mm -hmm. Is he referring to the Red Sox? That was the other thing that ran through my brain, in which case it would make perfect sense. Here's the thing that makes me less willing to trust that John Broom and Carmine Infantino really know what they're doing when it comes to baseball. Uh, Fast forward to the Abracadabra issue, which was a May issue. One of the reasons that Abracadabra doesn't have a large audience is because the World Series is going on in May. Mm. Hmm. It's, you know, that's one of those things where the specificity of it being the World Series, I mean, the real answer is John Broom thought of a big event that would take everybody away from the more high-minded magical pursuits uh, and shows. So I get it, but I don't have a ton of faith that they baseball. It's the kind of pedanticness that really is just kind of for the love of the game. It don't draw any real conclusions from it, but it it hurt. It hurt. <laughs> On the plus side, was- I found out that the uh, this was it was actually entertaining. This was a year where first off, I forgot that there was a point where the postseason for baseball was a single series where you have the pennant and then just those two teams play for the final championship, uh, which blows my mind just in general. I'm used to, what, a month and a half of postseason? But yeah. also, this year, there was this was the year they actually played a series as a tiebreaker for the pennant. I think it was San Francisco and the Dodgers, I want to say. Um, it, was, it was something along those lines. But it's interesting because you also have I think around this time, maybe like 10 or so years before, I think you have the merger between the two uh, football leagues. Like the way that we tend to think in the U.S. of sports and the organization of sports is so regimented and relatively stable aside from occasional uh, lockout seasons that 
it's very strange to s- look back on an era where that wasn't the case. Uh, then, then again, now you have situations where I think the commissioner of Major League Baseball is basically hanging the minor league out to dry in negotiations. So who knows? We might be in for another period of weird sports disruption, but it's it's a very different time. All right. And then the other one that builds a bit off of what we were just talking about uh with the story about the handicapped kids. So there was that. There was also the first of the Kid Flash stories that we covered this time uh, was very similarly leaning into tropes, eh, not even completely leaning into tropes, but very, very, very special uh, episode-ish about a Native American kid who had been adopted by uh, white dad who was a friend of this kid's uh biological dad uh and it's not terrible but i have capital m capital f mixed feelings uh yeah because on the one hand yeah the kid is explicitly native american and it this was the bit that hit me the most as a positive side it talks about experiencing racism even when that isn't the focus of the story like they the dad talks matter-of-factly about hey this my son was getting bullied in this other area and we moved and people have been a lot nicer to him here. And that's really great. And it's like, that wasn't the, it wasn't like the racism was a thing that happened and kid flash solved it. Uh, it was just part of the background. It was part of the lived experience in setting this up. On the other hand, this is a line that was in this story like there's a point where the kid is investigating a thing and he's dressing up in native american traditional garb uh, of the quote-unquote warriors of i think i think it was cherokee uh, i believe you're right and at it winds up being that it's like i, I think it's his uh, dressing up in a way that is a little more of a costume so that he's not going to be recognized as his civilian life. I, it's sort of vibing that way, but there's a line from from Kid Flash specifically. like He's wondering if Tommy had reverted back to the ways of his wild Indian forebearers and raiding like houses because he's breaking into a lodge yeah. where it turns out there are spies. But it's just mm-hmm. like, oh, ooh. And that's never, there's never really an, there's never an apology moment for that. But, but then it closes off on an even kind of nicer bit where the, there is a, like a kid's fraternity that reaches out and is like, hey, we voted and we want to, we want to bring you in. Like you're, you're cool. And we want you to know that we voted on that before you had this cool escapade with Kid Flash where you saved the day. It's like, no, we we legitimately decided that on based on your own merits, we like you. We, you want we want you to be part of our thing and you didn't have to prove yourself for it. It's like, oh shit, that's that's cool. You it wasn't one of those and then everybody learned their lesson and everything was happily ever after. It was just like, all right. Yeah, pe- people are people and hooray and inclusivity. But these are trying, 
but they feel very much like white guys writing what they think is good positive progressivism and yeah. without talking to people and for reference also the the young teenage high school fraternity is the eat up high fraternity or <laughs> i did not catch that <laughs> it's ada pi eta pi it is it, and this has been name dropped before uh, wally is a member of the eat up high fraternity that's so good these are things that i remember <laughs> in the midst of all that racial misunderstanding that fraternity's name is Eat a Pie. I have Just proof. as not honestly, not as bad as Beta Lambda. Yeah. Even God, though it should right. be beta, beta, but it is Beta. This was an interesting little bit. So the daydream where the Flash decides not to have like an open face mask and actually like wear a mask. The thing that makes him decide to have the mask isn't that people are going to be able to tell who he is necessarily. It's not like his loved ones will be in danger. It's straight up like rubberneckers. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's, I almost was too late in this daydream to get to the scene and see these people speeding away. It's just, first off, you are so fast you couldn't go all the way around as needed yeah he, he he does a whole bit where he says that he can't fit through the crowd because the crowd is too thick the crowd of paparazzi and i'm like bro just run around it or even through well actually i guess yeah. he's never uh i think there's a different point in one of the issues where it calls out that he's never practiced like running through people uh but even so right, yeah. it's like it's it's a little bit pushing it but on the other hand it's refreshing for being different because we've had so many of those stories where i think especially like uh world's finest stories it feels like there are all those secret identity stories that are just the same thing over and over again and this is at least a little different yeah i i mean yes there is that like you know i had a dream and you were there and you were there and you were there sort of a feel to it but it's it's at the same time, I think because it is set up as he's having a daydream and he's thinking about it, as opposed to we're right in the middle of it and we like we come into it and we think it's reality and then at the end of the issue we watch them wake up, I'm more inclined to watch them get into the dream first than and know it's a dream than have the story and find out at the end it's a dream because the payoff oh. will feel robbed. I think that's giving a little too much credit because it it is transparent, but if you didn't pick up on hints, it still is that. Like True. it's still I'm going from thinking about this thing to, or thinking about whether I should have the mask to I'm doing stuff and then it turns out that that was the point at which it became a daydream. It's just that it was really transparent in setting that up. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. That being said, like, credit where it's due. Like, it was transparent enough, so, yeah, okay. Um, this was a little bit interesting, and I think I think this does play a little bit into the sort of categorizations that we did earlier of uh, gimmick versus uh, pulp world-building versus 
silver age and world building uh there was the issue that started with the flash getting uh filling and i want to say that again because it's it's important to me the flash specifically is getting a filling it is a dental filling it is not just human but it's extremely mundane and i'm i was trying to think and i'm like i don't I don't think that we get that from other characters in part because we, a lot of those characters spend very little time as their civilian, not just as their civilian identities, but living as their civilian identities, not just like hiding. Oh, this is the thing where I need to be not in my costume, but like, no, I'm living as Barry Allen. Uh, that's what I'm doing. Uh, and this this level of mundaneness stood out to me in that way. I think the only other character we could possibly see that with is um, Green Lantern. Yeah. And it also helps that they let these stories breathe. Like, we haven't talked about that, but these are... There are a lot of entire issue stories, and the ones that aren't are the 16, 18 pagers, and then the shorter backup stories. And... I don't think we talked too much about the art, but we've talked about Carmine, Carmine Infantino in the past. It's just good. It's well done. Uh, there's nothing especially new or different, It's but it's con- it's continuing to be much better art than we see in pretty much any of the other stuff that we're reading. So uh, there's no there's nothing newsworthy, but at the same time, remember that Carmine Infantino is good at this. Yeah, very, very good at this. And another thing we didn't really talk about, and we might have covered in previous episodes, but the Kid Flash Elongated Man crossovers, they're just they're just solid. They're just enjoyable. Yeah. And I think a lot of the reason for that is that there's no power dynamic imbalance in the sense of it's not like superhero and sidekick. It's two characters who are of about the same power range and neither is like taking the super strong lead. Uh, Wally is a little more the straight man of the group, at least in terms of how he uses his powers. It's not wacky. It's more, okay, like I can do this thing and it's just, they're enjoyable. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. Those are, those are delightful. Mm-hmm. That's the term that comes to mind when I, when I read those, I'm like, oh yay, Barry or yeah, Wally and, and Ralph or Barry and Ralph, you know, and that will actually about do it on my end. Excellent. Do we have recommendations? <sighs> Mine is weirdly specific. Sure. I, I have found myself really enjoying specifically hip hop tracks, like, especially like, I mean, especially older school, like gangster rap that has like, climactic instrumentation Hmm. like the two songs that specifically stand out are uh big shit poppin by ti and which i guess is from like 2008 thereabouts and dmx uh i think it's i'm not a not a dancer (laughs) i just discovered this today and there's something about like rising there's a little bit of guitar work like individual like notes sustained over uh verses 
I think I think over verses primarily, not in the in the choruses that just build a little bit of tension and and that with for some reason with rap over that it just feels very not end credits e but like like you could see the explosion playing out in the background as the two main characters who have resolved their differences in time for the end of act three like look at each other nod and then just kind of walk around and walk away as kaboom and you get the as the sound of the explosion dies away just the music starts getting a little bit louder and everybody kind of walks away just nodding their heads it's like this is not this is this song is midway through this album this this feels too climactic for that i think my favorite new um type of podcast is you talking about rap though i have to say um, I, I need to sit down and listen to stuff because my tastes have absolutely stolted. I need to sit down and listen to more Tyler the Creator because uh, do check out uh, mm. Igor and uh, A Boy Is a Gun, and then honestly, really, what you need to do is sit down and just listen to uh, Austin Walker's inspiration playlist for season six of Friends at the Table because it's full of just eclectic stuff. And hmm. it's it's eclectic to me because I have not expanded my tastes in a while. But I'm sure there's so much cross-section of just, no, this is just what good hip-hop is at this point. Why am I not listening to this stuff? And the answer is, okay, I need to do this. Hmm. Um, this isn't part of my recommendation, but I do kind of listen to a lot of uh, New York jazz rap, um, like old school New York jazz rap. Personally, uh, big fan of MF Doom, uh, Tribe Called Quest. Um, if I do listen to anything a little bit newer, it's more like Tech Nine, Watsky, um, NP, guys like that. Um, I've been meaning to expand my discography into female rappers. I just have to do it. I know it's something that I should be listening to because I know there's a lot of really good ones right now. Um, but those are the ones that I would recommend uh, if you are at all curious about two white guys' opinions on rap. Um, for me, though, my, my main recommendation is if you haven't been playing Red Dead Online, I would suggest trying it. They added new DLC where you can get, like, specific careers slash jobs. Um, Moonshiner, Bounty Hunter, Merchant, and Collector. And these jobs all come with, like, their own mini stories and cutscenes and missions um, new gear that you can unlock and i find it really interesting um that their philosophy at the moment for red dead online is trying to find ways to fill this map without having a, a very complicated story um however i will log on and i'll be like yeah all i really want to do is do some hunting right now or like oh a free roam event is happening i'll go do that i rarely have the issue of running into people um, because the map is so huge and because there are no cars, mm. you don't actually run the risk of like co- like covering the entire map in a, in a short spir- uh, period of time just to mess with another person. Um, I really do feel like Red Dead Online is, is a very nice way to play that game without having to feel like you have to replay the main story. Um, I personally enjoy it because I'm a big ca- uh, cowboy game fan, but... 
it's fun. Like if you haven't been playing it and you have the opportunity to get Red Dead Redemption to um, check out Red Dead Online, you will not get griefed as hard as you got with like GTA five. Um, it's just harder to do in that game <laughs> when it, but that also means when it does happen, it's more annoying. Um, I will say that, um, but it's harder to get trolled or abused in that game because the map is so large and you only have horses. I was like playing the other night and I just checked to see how many players were on the map with me. There were six people on the server hmm. on the ginormous Red Dead Redemption 2 map. And I'm like, I will never run into any of these guys ever. And I am perfectly okay with that. And because I just wanted to play Red Dead with my own character and that was it. Um, definitely worth picking up. Uh, it's just, a, it's, man, it's a really good game. Red Dead Redemption 2 is just a really good game. And I am enjoying the online more uh, mode more than I thought I would. So that will about do it for us for this episode. We're going to do one more episode of Flash because then we'll be caught up with him. And then we'll go to Green Lantern, which is going to be great because we'll get to see what's going on with Hal and see him and Barry reveal their identities to each other in his storylines. Um, so that's exciting. And we'll also probably get some elongated man stories in the next year uh, that we cover in Flash. And then we'll just keep moving, because I believe the Hawks are after that. And that'll be fun to see Shaira and Carter again. Um, but until then, we love you all, and have a good night. DC Detectives can be found on SoundCloud and iTunes. To stay in the know, check out our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. While we may have ended up meeting with the Flash instead of Ralph, it hadn't been a total loss. Barry was still evolving and growing, much like his rogues gallery. With no reason to leave, we figured we'd stick around for a while and see what else would race by.